Hello once again, listeners, and welcome to the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with. I'm Hugh Thomas, the Deputy Editor. In this episode, we are discussing the RAISER study, a single-centre, single-arm study investigating the role of radiation segmentectomy in patients with unresectable and unablatable solitary very early to early stage hepatocellular carcinoma. Uh, now, this paper appears in our September issue, and I'm delighted to say that joining me today to discuss the paper is Edward Kim, uh, first author on the paper. He is Professor of Radiology and Surgery at the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, with a focus of clinical research on local regional therapies such as radioembolization for the treatment of hepatocellular carcinoma. Professor Kim, thank you very much for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to start things off and set the scene for us a little bit, um, your study is concerning a new approach for patients with uh, very early to early stage hepatocellular carcinoma or HCC that is unresectable. What do we mean by unresectability in these patients and how many patients is it affecting? And then what are the kind of current treatment options as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, when we talk about resectability, we're talking about obviously surgical resection with the intent of a curative and uh, procedure. Uh, only about 20% historically of these patients that present with HCC are considered resectable patients. And uh, what makes individuals unresectable uh, may be either uh, underlying liver damage that causes a high INR, usually above one, uh, if the platelets are also low due to portal hypertension, less than 100. Uh, these uh, and, and portal hypertension in and of itself could make this patient uh, unresectable. Also, if the remaining liver is uh, doesn't have enough uh, liver reserve uh, or future liver remnant, those patients can also be unresectable. And that's also not including underlying comorbidities such as underlying heart disease, obesity, uh, COPD, for instance, other factors that may make patients un unsuitable for uh, general anesthesia and to undergo a resection historically has made individuals unresectable. Um, and so the question in terms of what are the treatment options for this patient population in the very early to early stage is with a curative intent with excellent five-year survivals. And so that includes obviously what we spoke about, resection, um, there's also very good literature to support ablation in uh, select patient populations, as well as liver transplantation. And then just thinking about these patients who are potentially undergoing ablation, um, what, what factors might influence whether they are or aren't able to undergo that procedure? Yeah, so uh, in the ideal situation, HCC that is three centimeters and less smack dab in a, a nice piece of real estate in the liver uh, are excellent ablation candidates. There are no uh, surrounding structures that can be damaged. There are no potential what we call uh, uh, heat sinks in place where they can sump energy that's deposited into the tissue and cool it. Um, in those type of situations, ablation is excellent. Obviously, you have to visualize the lesion as well. Um, however, not all patients that present are ideal ablation uh, uh, cases, that either due to size or location of the lesion, they could be next to bowel, diaphragm, lung, heart, uh, you know, critical structures, the hilum, that can lead to serious adverse events. And also individuals uh, that have lesions next to the IVC or large blood vessels 
may not get uh, the optimal destruction of tissue due to the cooling effect of that uh, surrounding blood vessel. Uh, also, individuals that uh, potentially could undergo transplantation, uh, some institutions may not like ablation due to, due to the theoretical risk of seeding or bleeding from the ablation. Uh, and so certain transplant institutes will not use ablation as a bridging therapy. Sure, fantastic. Um, so your study is then looking at this approach, uh, radiation segmentectomy. Um, are you able to quickly describe that procedure for us? You know, what is it trying to achieve and, and what's the evidence base that was there before you conducted your study? Sure. This uh, technique was first reported over, uh, I would say, close to a decade ago. Uh, and this uh, technique is where we uh, go through the artery, uh, such as uh, well, more well-known procedure, chemoembolization. Uh, cardiologists, for instance, use the arteries to get to the heart and open up blood vessels. And so we use that route of going through the artery and go into the hepatic artery or the liver artery and use a series of catheters and wires to then map out uh, the vasculature within the uh, liver parenchyma. And we find the, uh, the blood vessel that is feeding the tumor and use what's called comb beam CT, where we reconstruct CT images uh, on the fluoroscopy table and inject contrast to uh, what we say light up or um, show enhancement of the tumor. Once we have uh, the area of the tumor, uh, the blood vessels that feeding the tumor and just the surrounding area around it, uh, then we will simulate uh, the, the actual procedure itself with a non-therapeutic radioisotope and then the comb beam CT images. And then we'll do our dosimetry around those, what we call the mapping procedure. After that mapping procedure is done, if everything's okay, there's not uh, communication to uh, non-target structures such as stomach or uh, bowel or anything else or the lungs, then we'll go ahead and we'll deliver the radioisotope, which is embedded into small glass microspheres um, and injected into the two, uh, target tissue. And so we can inject a very high amount of radiation that way internally because we're not focusing on beam from the outside and potentially hitting structures along the way, but everything is contained within these glass microspheres with a radius of three millimeters uh, of radiation. And so it's an internal radiation source that destroys this tissue. So that's how it's done. That's the principle behind it. And in terms of some of the early evidence our group actually did a, um, a propensity scored match study, um, I would say close to seven, eight years ago, uh, and published in radiology a comparison between radiation segmentectomy and ablation for lesions three centimeters and less. And what we found was that there was no difference in overall outcomes, uh, safety profile, or recurrence rate uh, between the two. Uh, close to 90% uh, complete ablation zone, complete response, according to modified resist with the radiation segmentectomy. And so because that was a retrospective analysis, we wanted to then create a prospective study looking at radiation segmentectomy uh, in that population. Fantastic. And so obviously then that became the RAZER study, which is, is the study that we've just published. Um, can you just briefly summarize what are, the, what are the key design features there? What did you have in mind and, and, and what were you trying to achieve with it? Yeah, so we took patients who are unresectable, deemed unresectable, um, as well as unablatable. 
because there has already been established, for instance, within the BCLC guideline for the very early to early stage, those two treatment modalities. And so to try and maintain clinical equipoise, we wanted to say, okay, these patients are unresectable and unablatable. I went into a lengthy discussion about what unresectable patients are for the most part. I'm not a surgeon, I'm an interventional radiologist, uh, uh, but we work quite closely with our surgeons and these are the discussions that we have. In terms of unablatable, it's what I had described previously. And this has been well published uh, uh, previously in, in multiple uh, uh, studies that there are locations that are deemed um, uh, higher risk uh, with higher serious adverse events for ablation depending on location. Again, next to um, uh, difficult locations with surrounding structures. And so we define that as if there is a structure or blood vessel five millimeters or less from the intended uh, tumor target that was deemed unablatable. And the study showed uh, that segment four and segment eight tended to be uh, the most uh, of the lesions in terms of Kuhnode segments. And that's because the lesions were high up at the dome next to the lung, next to the IVC, and, and next to the heart, uh, as well as near the hilum. And these have been well described, causing serious adverse events. Um, and so those patients then were eligible for the radiation segmentectomy that I had uh, described. And uh, that was the uh, design of the RAZOR study with a primary objective of objective response according to modified resist. And then secondary endpoints we used uh, duration of response, uh, time to progression, uh, local time to progression, as, as, as well as actuarial overall survival, and then, of course, safety. Brilliant. And, and so on to uh, the, the main bulk then. What were your key findings? I was a little bit surprised myself. I always knew that radiation segmentectomy is extremely effective, uh, but to date there has never been really a, a study prospectively designed that has shown 100% objective response. So all the patients that were enrolled, um, 30, 30 patients, one had dropped out, so 29 total. 100% uh, of those patients had a, a response to the, to the therapy. Uh, and if you broke that down, 83% had a complete response, 24 out of 29 uh, patients. Uh, in terms of the sustained complete response, it was 90% with a uh, duration of response of 635 days. We followed these patients uh, two years out for the study. So in essence, for the duration of the, the follow-up of these patients, uh, uh, they had a duration of response from the therapy itself. And that's quite different from what had previously been uh, utilized for transarterial-based therapy for patients that are unresectable, unablatable, which is chemoembolization, uh, which is on the order of close to 9 to 10 months for duration of response before there's time to progression or local time to progression. Um, so this is indeed something that is uh, truly rivaling uh, complete response and there was a subset of patients that had actually undergone transplantation, uh, eight patients, and all of those patients on pathological explant showed complete pathologic necrosis. So what we saw on the imaging in terms of a complete response reflected what was seen in uh, pathologic tissue with complete uh, necrosis, which is um, uh, very different than what we had seen previously with chemoembolization, where uh, about 50% of patients historically uh, that had explant tissue showed complete pathologic necrosis on uh, 
radiological reads that had uh, read as complete response. And so there was a discordance between the rad path. But in this study, we, sh we saw a, a complete concordance between the radiology findings and the pathological uh, findings. Fantastic. Um, so obviously, you know, really quite, as you said, quite unexpected, quite promising. And, and, and where do you think uh, future research is going to go from here? How are you going to take this forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so this is a uh, phase two prospective single arm study. And so there has been talk of expanding this, uh, either going head to head with ablation or maybe even resection in certain cases. And so uh, I think we're pushing really the envelope with this therapy because the results of this study also showed that it's extremely safe. There were no uh, grade uh, three toxicities in the vast, vast majority was grade one uh, toxicities that were previously described, things like you know nausea after the, the procedure or some fatigue, um, but nothing you know alarming in this study because again, we're rivaling uh, or mimicking the surgical principles of anatomic resection where we're taking the tumor and a little bit of surrounding tissue or a margin, um, except obviously we're not taking it out surgically. We're doing it from a concept point of view with a high dose of radiation, but in a safe manner um, because it's only affecting the, the tissue that we're perfusing. And so the talk has been, do we escalate this to a phase three multi-institutional study going head to head with standard of care ablation and or resection? Uh, so that is, the, I think, the discussion that has been uh, going on. Brilliant. Wonderful to hear. Professor Kim, thank you very much once again for joining us and sharing your discussion of the Razor paper. Thank you again for the invitation. It's, it's truly an honor to be on this podcast. You can read the article on the Razor study online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Professor Kim and thank you for listening to this episode of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.